On today, we're going to talk about Bob Stoops stepping down at Oklahoma. Then we have some Major League Baseball talk, uh, talking about the National League playoffs in particular. Then we have plenty of NBA talk to get to with the NBA season wrapping up, the finals wrapping up. And then we're going to get into a little NHL talk. Sid the Kid wins his third cup. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and joining us today, co-host Lucas Jones. Lucas, what is up, man? Not much. Feels like it's been forever since I've been on the podcast. Uh, it's been forever since I've been on the podcast, and I'm the host. It's been uh, two weeks now since the last podcast. Sorry, everyone. I was on vacation. Uh, probably should have just had Lucas step in, fill a couple of uh, podcasts, but now we have a lot more to talk about. Am I right? Yeah, hopefully you guys missed us. Yeah, so absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's what I always heard. So I'm hoping that that, that turns out to be true with podcast. <laughs> so we will we will find out, Lucas. Okay, so let's get into our first talking point. Uh, this happened last week, uh, or the week before, rather, right after our last podcast dropped. Bob Stoops stepped down at Oklahoma, and Lincoln Riley, their offensive coordinator, was named the new head coach. Uh, Riley became a pretty popular name uh, whenever a head coaching vacancy would come up, and it was kind of a surprise move to me. What do you think, Lucas? Uh, It was a shock when it came out, because most coaches, when they decide to leave, leave for their bowl game if they, you know, get a bowl game and this came in, you know, first part of June, kind of, you know, middle of the, you know, that's right in the middle of their off season, getting ready, geared up for training camps and stuff. Yeah. Even after the spring so, game. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a shock to the football world, really. Yeah. So I, I looked up some numbers. Bob Stoops is only 56, which is another reason this was a surprise. He went 190 and 48 in 18 seasons at OU. In 18 years, he won 10 Big 12 titles, a national championship in 2000, and then he lost uh, national championship games to USC and then won to Bama. Uh, the expectations in Norman are kind of crazy. Uh, you know, outside of Alabama and probably Auburn, who has unrealistic expectations, uh, Oklahoma has pretty high expectations for themselves. I mean, Stoops and OU could win nine or two games, nine or ten games a year, and if he wasn't playing in the national championship game, then people were calling for him to be fired. So Lincoln Riley definitely has some big shoes to fill there. Yeah, he does. Um, I really don't know much about Lincoln Riley, but they do have uh, Baker's Mayfield who come back. Uh, for this season, although I think I've seen a picture of him yesterday or something. He got DWI or something, was pleading it down or something. I can't remember, but... He's trying to be a real OU Sooner. Well, you have to assume that he'll, you know, be suspended for like a half of some podunk team they'll have on their schedule. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or whatever, you know. So, you know, but you're assuming that... uh, you know, they'll have a couple new running backs, but it's probably, you know, it's a it's a big good thing for Lincoln Riley to have a, an experienced quarterback come back. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's something else I wanted to talk about at the end of the Bob Stoops era that was kind of marred by a little bit of controversy. Uh, he took on uh, Doriel Green Beckham after he was kicked out of Mizzou. And then I don't even know the full story with D.D. Westbrook, but Joe Mixon in the Punching the Girl video, uh, that was all pretty big news. I almost wouldn't be surprised if he's pulling a Chip Kelly and we find out that OU has been under investigation or maybe just the administration there at Oklahoma had enough of the off the field controversies and kind of asked Stoops to step down. But it seems like a weird time either way. Well, I, I had read some things that his dad and uncle or, and his grandfather maybe all died in their mid-50s from heart attack or something, which, uh, you know, maybe that weighed on him that he'd already had a good college football legacy, good run. Maybe he truly does just want to, you know, made a lot of money. Maybe he truly does just want to hang out and do something. You know, he'll probably get a TV gig if he wants it. But there's also a lot of speculation going around that he may jump to NFL next year. Wow. Um, and I did see a thing today that the Bears uh, – well, it's like the Bleacher Nation that I follow. Okay. For the Bears, though, the same guys – some of the same guys that work on that Bleacher Nation for the Cubs work on the – it's called the 10-yard line or something for the Bears. And their headline today was the Bears could be interested in either Bob Stoops or, and I want to say we're all going to be shocked by this name, but we shouldn't be because he keeps getting work. They're either interested in Bob Stoops or Jeff Fisher if John Fox (laughs) falters this season. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the Bears have high aspirations of going 8-8 forever. Apparently 8-win Jeff you know, still looks good to teams or something. I don't know. But so, you know, you're going to have, now you're going to have that every off season, you know, every January after every black Monday or whatever for NFL coaches, you have the same names that get and trotted out there and just add Bob Stoops to that list. Oh yeah. So I, next January we'll hear Bob Stoops, John Gruden, Bill Cower, uh, you know, just the regular guys that haven't coached the NFL, Chip Kelly, Nick Saban, um, add him to the list of guys that you know made the jump to NFL yeah and I also in my notes I had that uh, every time there's a job opening at Notre Dame Florida LSU and Auburn that you're going to hear all those names basically that you just mentioned uh you know they're going to mention Chip Kelly Les Miles uh John Gruden someone's going to think that they have oh add Tennessee to that list they're all going to think that they can get every one of these coaches and so you'll that will be the list of names that you hear for college openings as well yeah that's the thing and I mean that drives me crazy everyone always says that but some of them guys like why the hell would Bob Stoops want to leave Oklahoma for Notre Dame <laughs> somewhere you know like he owns Bob Stoops owns the state of Oklahoma Oh, yeah. Whatever. He, he's the Big 12. Why would you yeah. not want to coach in the Big 12? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. He basically owns the Big 12. And so, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. None of that stuff has ever made sense. But we'll hear about it every year either way. So moving on to our little bit of hockey talk. Uh, Sid Crosby won his third cup. Uh, it was a great series. I think the biggest thing that came from that series is Nashville got put on the map as a hockey town. So a lot of people were talking about the whole catfish thing. Where did the catfish come from? What's the story behind the catfish? If 
you all are listening and you're subscribers, maybe you're not subscribers, go through some of our old episodes and I interview a Nashville Predators reporter, Christopher Martell. Uh, He was on the show, I believe about a month ago at the start of the Blues Predators series and we talked about the catfish on the ice then. So if you guys want to hear a little bit more detail about that, I'll post the link later this afternoon and uh, you can go back, listen. Uh, He has a really good insight on where all the catfish on the ice stuff started. So we were, uh, Lucas, we were like months ahead of the curve on that story. Yeah, apparently so. And uh, so the rest of the hockey notes I have is the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft is going to be Wednesday and teams release their list on Sunday. And I really hope that the Blues get a uh, lose Yori Laterra, who's making $4.7 million next year to be a terrible center. A uh, little more hockey talk. Uh, I am playing in my first uh, men's league hockey game tonight. So if you don't hear me anymore and you just hear Lucas, it's because I have died playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully you have a mouthpiece. I do, I do, and a face guard. I'm not one of those crazy... You see the videos of those old-time hockey players out there without any helmets? I mean, there's no helmet, there's no visor. They're just out there with, like, two teeth in their head going at it. Those... Yeah, it seems, it seems awful dangerous. Yeah, those old Canadians were tough. So now, uh, since we have our Major League Baseball analyst on the show, uh, let's talk a little bit of baseball. So, Lucas, something that you and I talked about uh, off-air yesterday were how kind of most of the National League playoff series are almost decided right now. Uh, So the Nats have a a ten-and-a-half game lead in the East. The Dodgers, Rockies, and D-backs, of course, one of those teams are going to win the West, and the other two have a nine-game lead on the field for the two wild-card spots. What, What do you think... What do you think about just that situation here in the third week of June, Lucas? Well, I've been saying for several weeks now that the National League is really top-heavy. Every team in the American League is within four and a half games of a playoff spot. Wow, every team? Flip over. Yeah, every team. Every team is within four and a half games of a playoff spot. So you you look over on the National League and you see, you know, it's very top-heavy. The Nats running away with the East, and then you got three really, really good, impressive West teams because a lot of people, you know, figured they knew the Dodgers. You know, we talked earlier in the season about how the Rockies have a good chance to line up, and they're getting really good pitching from their young guys. So that wasn't as much of a surprise as the Diamondbacks. They're playing good ball. Paul Goldschmidt is, you know – should be, you know, he should be in the talks for the MVP race, but you really don't hear about him a whole lot. They, so, in the National League Central, you know, it's just kind of a who wants it right now. I think the Brewers are up two and a half on the Cubs, and the Cubs are, like, up another three or four games on the Cardinals, maybe. Yeah, I think it's three right now. So you look at it and it's like, okay, well, you're not getting a wild card team from the central. So, I mean, the way it's playing out, it's going to be tough for right now. Whoever wins the central is really the way they're going to have, they're they're not going to have the advantage of winning the division 
which is fine because oftentimes we've talked about how wild card teams get put at a disadvantage because of having more wins than a division winner. Oh like yeah, a couple seasons ago when the Pirates had ninety eight wins and the Cubs had ninety seven and the Cardinals had a hundred, and all three made the playoffs, but the Pirates and the and the card the Pirates and the Cubs had to play in a wild card game. Yeah. So now it's looking like you know as it stands right now. I think it'd be Dodgers and Diamondbacks in a wild card game. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're nine and ten games ahead of the National League Central Division winner. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's, you know, that's why, you know, reseeding might not be a bad idea in the future. Hard to say if it'd be a good idea or not because you hate to penalize a division winner. But at the same time, the way the National League is playing out, though, it, there still should be some fun races, especially that West is going to be fun to watch. The East is going to be boring. The Central will probably be fun to watch because right now they're just all beating around on each other. Yeah, and getting the hell beat out of them by everybody else. Yeah, the National League West has like, just been the Cubs' bane of existence. They've so, just been tearing the Cubs apart. Talking about the National League West, I looked up some records today. The Giants are 26-45 and 45 on the season. We've talked about the Giants uh, periodically and, you know, their rough start, but I didn't think it would get to 20 games below 500 at this point in the season. Well, I didn't really see it either, but Johnny Cueto is not having a typical Johnny Cueto year. Some of his peripheral advanced metric stuff suggests that he's had he's running some bad luck, but... You know, with Mad Bum going down, who I think starting to throw, he's ahead of schedule to come back. I mean, at this point, it's too late for them. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and Smarge is in his last, like, 15 starts has, like, a 99-to-1K-to-walk ratio or something. He's just not walking anybody anymore. Wow. And it's – but they're not able to put together wins. Their offense is struggling. We talked about it in the preview. They're kind of old. They're still having left fielder struggles. They can't find anyone to hold it down. Yard yep. spans old. Hunter Pence he gets banged up. Buster Posey missing a little, a few games a while back. They just not. They just and, and they're in the. You know they don't have any pieces to move to get better, but they're also hesitant to trade their pieces to get prospects. They're kind of in one of them. You know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Places. Because no one wants to trade for Cueto because he's got a – or no one's going to – I mean, there will be teams want to trade for him, but they're not going to offer much because Cueto's got knocked-out calls at the uh, end of the season. So, you know, you don't give one of your top guys for a couple months to somebody that may opt out. Yeah. That's Marja. You know, he's not walking guys, but he's paid an awful lot, probably more than he's worth. So uh, it's tough for them to trade, and they're not going to obviously they're not going to trade Mad Bum or Buster Posey, but they don't really have any other pieces that are marketable other than Cueto, and his opt out clause is really going to you know probably you know screw the Giants a little bit. Yeah, and you're really damned if you do, damned if you don't on getting Cueto because if he pitches well for you in that trade, then he is gone at the end of the season, and if he pitches like crap, then you're stuck with him. Right, and which that may not be as big of a as a deal because he could just be having a a down season. And like I said, some of his peripheral stuff 
suggest that he's ran into more bad luck than bad pitching, but the thing is, is I think teams are more worried about the opt-out than the having the rest of them because his contract is not wholly unreasonable. It's just if he opts out and you give up a big payday for him, you know, I just can't think of a team right now in the National League that could be different in AL. But thinking of the National League, I don't, I don't know a team that's just ready to sell out to say, it's not now win like Theo did last year when he got Chapman. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I just don't see a team like that. Like I think the Dodgers think they're built. They may go try to get a starter. They're, um, the Giants and Dodgers aren't going to make a deal anyway. So oh, it's no. kind of a moot point. You know, they're still talking to the Diamondbacks. Just they got some pieces that you know they're thinking about the future more than they are now because they're like they might trade Zach Gronke if a team's willing to willing to take him. So. I don't know. It's going to be a busy trade season. I don't think anybody's ready. I've read lots of things where you're like, oh, everybody's going to both be buyers and sellers. But I think we still need a few more weeks to determine what's going to happen, at least in the National League. Yeah, and if the Cardinals have a next few weeks like their last few weeks, then they could very well be in sell mode because they went on that seven-game losing streak. They're five games under five hundred right now. And, I mean, if you – play that bad for the next few weeks you could definitely be looking at being a seller come the deadline well see and i keep hearing like the cardinals are going to make a move for jd martinez from the tigers to get a power bat and a corner outfielder and you know i just don't know if that solves their problem that solves a problem but i don't think it solves their problem is you know just the inconsistent defense and you know, inconsistent bullpen. And, you know, I teased uh, Randy the other day. I said, you know, he's he's talking about how they just need to trade several of their players, you know, and I was like, you know what they're really going to do, though, is trade for a reliever (laughs) to deadline and go for it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty infamous uh, John Mazaliak move right there. Uh, Go all out and get a middle reliever that's really going to have no impact on your season. (laughs) Right, and you know, as far as the Cardinals, I mean, they they probably should trade Lance Lynn. Um, I don't think he had a very good outing his last outing. When was that Sunday? Yesterday? Yeah. Didn't they lose? They did. But I don't know if that was his fault or not. I didn't really look at the box score, but the uh, they should trade him while he's pitching, you know, relatively well because they likely aren't going. Someone's going to pay him more than what the Cardinals are going to feel comfortable paying him. Oh, definitely. And, and they should look at trading Matt Carpenter. I know Richie thinks he's like MVP as <laughs> first baseman in the league, but here's a guy who is not good at defense. At any, like He can play five positions. He's just not particularly good at any of them defensively, and he can't hit unless he's batting leadoff. You know, like, what's up with that? That's what I want to know. You know, I've talked about that all summer, basically, or all spring into the summer is – he, they tried to move him to the three hole last year, and they tried to move him to other places in the lineup before, and he just doesn't hit unless he's hitting leadoff. I'm guessing it's in his own head, and he just refuses to try to overcome it. But it has to be. But I mean, the one two, him batting one and Dexter two's been working the last, you know, the last week and a half or or so. But you know, to me, it's alarming that a guy that 
can only hit in the leadoff position, that kind of worries me a little bit. Yeah, it's just odd more than anything. Lucas, do you have any uh, any American League notes? Uh, well, I heard that the Astros and Athletics have mutual interest in a Sonny Gray trade. Ooh. And the Astros, you know, they recently just lost like seven or eight games in a row. Yeah. They had both Keiko and McCullers on the uh, disabled list. So I think they're definitely wanting to get a you know a couple a starter with a couple controllable seasons down that you know may push Keiko for the number one spot. Then you know they have Colin McHugh. He's going to be back after the All Star break. And Charlie Morton I think is throwing again. So they do have some reinforcements coming. They got, they brought up Francis Marte, their number one prospect, to pitch out of bullpen. So he, they probably ain't ready for him to start yet. So. The Astros look like they're going to be definitely making a move probably relatively soon for another starter. Um, they did build up that huge cushion in the AL West, but, you know, you lose seven or eight games in a row, that cushion disappears pretty quick. Oh, definitely. Um, Yankees, they, they've just got like a six-game sweep from the West Coast. So they re- I've seen that they're not in first anymore in the AL East. So they – you know they they're probably looking for a starter, maybe a third baseman. They don't really trust Chess Headley, Chase Headley. They were talking about bringing Gliber Torres up. Well, uh, I just seen today that he's having Tommy John surgery, injured his elbow in a slide, so um, he's out for the rest of the season. Whew. man! They're talking about he was. That's who the. That's who the Yankees, of course, uh, acquired in the Chapman trade with the Cubs. And he's only like 20, and he was tearing it up. They had promoted him to AAA. Torres was in AAA. AAA. I can't remember. I, well, maybe he's in AA. Yeah, I, I know what he was doing. He was batting well over 300, and like they're saying, you know, he's probably ready for the big leagues at 20, and they wow. were going to put him in third base. Wow, and I know that's someone that you've been high that you've been pretty high on ever since you know when he was coming up in the Cubs system. Yeah, so obviously that's a big blow to them, but it his future should still be fine because it was his non-throwing elbow that he got to get the ligament replaced in. So he's just going to, you know, it'll be a quicker recovery time. He'll be ready by, you know, I think you know, they said he'll definitely be ready by training camp. So I'm sure that means, you know, he'll probably be swinging a bat and stuff come December. Yeah. Yeah, so now let's get into a little NBA talk. So the Warriors won the title since we last spoke. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to have to say about that. I did promise one of our listeners that I would give the Warriors some credit. So they went 16-1 in the playoffs. That's about all I have to say good about the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, they won 73 games but couldn't beat LeBron without getting the second-best player in the league. Yes, and he's still the second best player in the league. We talked about this yesterday. Didn't count because Kyrie and Kevin were hurt, and it was LeBron and Matthew Della Ladova against (laughs) you know, and LeBron won two games against them. Like that was, I I think we both know that's whenever I went on back on the LeBron bandwagon. Whenever he won two games against that team with Della Ladova and Timothy Mozgov as his supporting cast. That was beyond impressive. So that, mm-hmm. 
there we talked. Uh, there's a pretty big imbalance of the league right now, and I got an update a little bit ago that KD is reportedly going to take less money to stay with the Warriors. And h- how does the league, even the Cavs, catch up to the Warriors moving forward? I don't know if they can. They definitely need to make a play for Paul George. And um, I think you said there was some breaking news that the Cavs may be reaching out to the Bulls to discuss Jimmy Butler. Yes, that is correct. And I wonder if they somehow pull that off, if Dwayne Wade's included in that. That I don't would, know. That would but, be nice for the Cavs. And you know that we all ever the whole world knows that LeBron and D. Wade are pretty big buddies. Yeah, and at this point, you know, if they did get Dwayne Wade, I would just straight up play him every other game or something and save him for the playoffs. Oh. Dwayne Wade can perform in the playoffs. He's I, one of them guys that's like, let's keep you healthy because they'll make the fucking they'll make the finals without uh, Dwayne Wade. They just need somebody else in the finals to take a little bit of pressure off LeBron and Kyrie. Oh, yeah. I would play Dwayne Wade like 30 games of the regular season, and then I would play him like one game in the first round, two games in the second round, and then maybe three games in the conference finals just to get him warmed back up. But that's exactly that's kind of where we are in the NBA right now is nothing up to the finals even matters. And if the Cavs don't make some moves, then even that's not going to matter going forward. Exactly, and that's bad for basketball. It it is and because I mean well I mean I guess they still drew pretty good ratings on the finals but the I mean the thing of it is you got so many people now that are Warriors fans and okay with it because they hate LeBron so much they just can't get past how great he is so they like justify the Warriors loading up like I've seen someone suggest a trade that the Warriors trade Clay Thompson and one of their like foreign asset guys they have they drafted that's still playing in Europe, trade him to the Pacers for Paul George. I'm like, whoa, there's no way the NBA let that happen. No, and I think it would be a dumb decision. I think Klay Thompson is like the under the most underrated player on that team because he makes you forget that Steph Curry can't play defense at all. Right, and, you know, Klay can shoot the ball. So, I don't know. I, but Paul George, I, I think Paul George is a better player than – Clay Thompson, he may not be a better fit than Clay Thompson, but I mean, ultimately that's not going to happen. Yeah, because Clay Thompson is, you know, I think he wants to be there, and he'll probably work out a long-term deal or something. I don't know, but the Cavs definitely are, need to go for George or Butler. So I mean, if they're talking to two guys, then they're likely, you know, may try to pull off. You know, they'll need a three-team trade probably to make something like that happen. Yeah, and that's what I had read is it would be a three-team trade for uh, Jimmy Butler and likely Paul George as well. Well, Paul George informed the Pacers yesterday, or it was reported yesterday on Sunday, that he told the Pacers that he is going to enter free agency after the season and that he hopes to land with the L.A. Lakers. So I'm sure Anthony will be plenty happy about that. And... uh so, do you think that Paul George going to Cleveland would just be a one-year deal, or do you think that there's any way that they could work something out to keep him in Cleveland with LeBron for a few years? I think Paul George wants L.A., but I think that if he did go to the Cavs, 
I think I think LeBron could convince him to stay. Guys want to play with LeBron. Oh yeah, People I mean, like playing with LeBron. He is an unselfish player, and he he does make his teammates better. He, you know, so I think if he gets a taste of winning with LeBron and LeBron, you know, I and they go back to the finals and Paul George, you know, likes it and stuff, you know, you could say, you know, I think a, an argument can be made for Paul George to stay in Cleveland. Yeah. But the lure of L.A. is also magnetizing. So, I mean, they're even talking about LeBron could leave Cleveland next year to L.A. He's got a home in Los Angeles. He's already went back to Cleveland and got them a championship. Maybe he just, you know, wants to maximize the last few years he has in the league in L.A. Um, so maybe George and LeBron both go to L.A. after next season. Ooh. Who knows? Well, but, uh, talking about the Lakers, I, you know, I – saw that the they are in trade talks with the Suns right now to swap draft picks and maybe dump a contract but that would be an important part or an important way to get LeBron James and Paul George's they're gonna have to dump some salary because they've spent some bad money over the last few years yeah say if they could get rid of Mozgov and Dean's money though they really would have enough they would have enough money for both of them with the salary cap increase again and uh, just, you know, so I think, I just don't, I mean, they definitely need the Suns. The Suns are the popular team in three-team trades because they got the cap space that they need, that other teams need to make these mega trades work. Yeah. So, I mean, the Suns are definitely going to be a major player. Now, I wonder, where were the Suns picking in draft? Five, four? Four or five. Three, what three. Did the Celtics end up getting from the Sixers. The the third pick. Okay, so I think the Suns were four or five, maybe. I hope I'm right on that. Um, that's interesting to me because I feel like the Lakers are only going to do that if they make the trade for George now, because then they would trade that four or five pick to the Pacers, because they likely would not get Lonzo Ball if four or five. Yeah, but they still could end up with a really good player like a uh, Josh Jackson or uh, even De'Aaron Fox. Uh, you know, they could they could still find a piece there and then wait a, wait until Paul George hits free agency and go after him there. I think it'd be more of a salary dump than anything. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I want them to still take Lonzo Ball because I think he'd be great in L.A. You know, just with his dad and everything too. So. Yeah, I think the only thing there is, do you want Lonzo Ball and to be stuck with Mozgov and Dang for the next three years, or do you want De'Aaron Fox or Josh Jackson and the free and the money freed up to go make a run at Paul George or LeBron? They're going to have the money for Paul George regardless. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess the it's it, just if they're what they're going to compliment him with, but you know, Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell. Paul George, Julius Randle, whoever else they have, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, you know that's not a bad start. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. The NBA draft should be interesting. Definitely. Um, that's the, when. When is it? That's got to be Ooh. coming up, right? It, it it is, but I do not have the date uh, on the top of my head. Probably next week. 
Yeah, likely, because I think the NHL draft is this weekend, So, and I believe that the NBA draft is within a week of the NHL draft, so that should be going on next week, and we'll probably hear more trade talk between now and then. We'll probably do some reporting on a little more trade talk, I would assume. Yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting because the Cavs aren't going to stay put. They know they keep yeah. stay put. Um, you know, obviously, I think you know if they could keep if they could keep Love and Kyrie with LeBron, that'd be great, and trade Tristan Thompson. But it sounds like I bet I would put my money on Kevin Love being the guy that gets traded. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie's still twenty four, twenty five. He's twenty five. 25. So Kyrie's still pretty young. Uh, Kevin Love, I think, is our age. So he's 28, going on 29. Uh, so you still, you know. Whoa, going on. I just turned 28, dude. Yeah, and I'm turning 29 in a couple of months. So <laughs> he was our he was our high school class, is what I'm getting ready to say. He he graduated high school in 07. So he's somewhere around there, 28, 29. Maybe he turned 28 like Lucas. Maybe he's getting ready to turn 29 like me. But, well, I think that's all we have for the show today. Uh, Lucas, thanks for hopping back on. It's been a while since we've got to put out a podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I've uh, enjoyed having you on, as always. And hopefully we uh, g- get some people to share this podcast. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, uh, for sure. So give us a share or give us a retweet. Give us a share on Facebook. We are uh, back, and we will be reporting on plenty of baseball and basketball news over the next week. So this has been the Fumbling Punter Podcast for Lucas Jones. I'm Devin Keeney. Have a good day, everyone.